It's been a while, but the good news is the Brisbane Football Review is ready to celebrate an A-League victory for the Raw. Welcome everyone to the latest edition of the show. It's James Scott and Adam here with you on this Wednesday evening. And Scott, how much fun was Friday night for you? It was great, wasn't it? Good to see him play well and get a win. It's been a while, as you point out, but it was a good performance. Let's talk Adam, about yes, and Adam, you seemed awfully uh, cheery as well after seeing the Raw pick up three points for the first time since early February. Yeah, we didn't even have a march. <laughs> That's how long it's been, and most of February. But no, uh, it was a good win, and no, I've, I've said that you know, the Royal was sort of you know, banging on the door of you know, a win, so it's actually good to actually see them you know, hold on you know, at the end there. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a lot to cover in this episode, including the A-League match against MacArthur FC at Campbelltown last Friday night. We've also got a few stories coming out of the Brisbane Royal camp, including a game of Where's Scott McDonald, uh, plus a recap of the two Matildas... Well, I wouldn't call them matches because they weren't overly competitive. Um, and then also we're going to cover some of the news and NPL stories, including what was an excellent game on Sunday down at the Croatian Sports Centre that three of us were all in attendance for. Oh, and we probably should also take a look at the Western Sydney Wanderers game coming up for the Raw on Friday night as well. So, whole lot to cover. If you want to get in touch with us, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Facebook, The Raw Review, Twitter, at BNE Football, sending comments, questions, and if uh, whatever podcast platform you are listening to us on, Wooshka, iTunes, Spotify, etc., etc., rate, review, share. We're trying to have a few more people listening to us and just our parents, so it would be nice to have an opportunity to grow the audience beyond the people that, well, I would say have to love us, but mine have never said that they have to and whatnot. So anyway, Scott, what do you say we get into the recap? Yeah, it's a contractual obligation, isn't it? So I'm told. <laughs> okay, so... A 2-1 win for the Raw on Friday night, away to MacArthur. Wenzel Halls and Danzaki found the net for the Raw, and Lockie Rose managed to make it a bit of a nervous finish towards the end, but overall, I think this was maybe not the flashiest performance from the Raw, but it was a good display of grit and guile as they worked their way back into the team. Adam... What were your ta- what were your first impressions from the match? Look, it was a um, tough old sort of encounter where there was sort of a, always a hint that you know with both teams playing the same formation that it could very well cancel each other out. But um, with Dylan Wenzel Hall striking early, that sort of changed sort of the flow of the game because the longer that game went goalless, the more and more it was looking likely that it would be a stalemate, and um, it probably had to a yet another draw. So thankfully, you know that. Um, uh, Dylan Winslow Halls was, was able to get a breakthrough with a really, really nice strike from the edge of the penalty area. It was a, it was a well-taken strike, and it's the sort of thing that I, I do worry people are going to expect too much of from him as a still-developing striker, but it was a good sign that his uh, confidence hasn't really been impacted by being in and out of the lineup over the last few weeks. And I would say by his relative standards, probably a little bit of a lean run in front of goal where he hasn't really had too many clear-cut chances, Scott. So that should be pretty good for his confidence, yeah? It absolutely should be good for his confidence. He's only scored two goals in the last nine games, I think it is now, given he got the one against Sydney, the one 
at the weekend. So yeah, it'll be great right for his confidence, and it was a really, really good strike from him. And I think his overall performance, we might talk about it a bit later on, but overall I thought he was really, really impressive with his energy and his work rate and his harrying and his runs in behind. He really caused MacArthur a lot of problems in that game. I thought he was one of the key reasons why the Raw was so successful, James. But the words I wrote down about this game were concentration, focus and intensity because that's what it was about for the Raw. They were... We've seen before they've gone ahead in games, James, and got the first goal, but they've slipped up at a moment and let the t- opposition back in, and there was no signs of that for 89 minutes in this game. I thought it was really well managed for the the overwhelming majority of the game, so I thought they were the th- key things I took out from it, as well as a great strike from Wenzel Holes and a good goal from Riku as well, which was a really good, well-worked team goal. Yeah, Riku's goal, obviously. Um, I suppose it kind of justified... Uh, the changes that Warren Moon made to his starting uh, 11, bringing in four players, Neville, Aldred, Gillespie, and the aforementioned Wenzel Halls. Uh, they came in for Truen, Courtney Perkins, Hingett, and Golgol Mabratu. So largely like-for-like changes, but I don't know, it just seemed like it was a much more overall mature performance from this Raw side. And the fact that they were able to maintain that level of composure, that level of confidence, and what was you know, for all intents and purposes, a really challenging evening out at uh, Campbelltown, because let's be honest, those cowbells would have made me want to go all Eric Cantona on the, on the uh, fans by about Serious the 30th South minute. Africa 2010 vibes, wasn't it, with the damn Fuvuzelas? Yeah, although to be fair, I would take the cowbells every day of the week and twice on match day <laughs> compared to those, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, compared to those funnels. Anyway, yeah, it, it was a really good goal from Danzaki as well, Adam. Uh, talk us through it. Yeah, um, look, uh, I was just going to say, sort of overall, just just on back on the thing about the uh, changes. I think there's all when you bring players such as you know uh, Scott Neville, you know, Tom Aldred, and uh, Macaulay Gillespie to the side, that obviously would increase obviously your confidence in you know that more mature performance. As far as the goal, the second goal that pretty much gave raw breathing space. It was a great, great sort of you know cross, um, cross face of goal from um, Scott Neville, I believe, and. And, and like I said, it was a good work by Denzaki to basically to follow it right at the far post and to tap in, which, you know, we don't probably see enough from, you know, from players on this side. And actually across the A-League in general, the, the whole sort of, you know, attacking that far post, you know, it doesn't seem to have, um, doesn't seem to be, you know, too common. So that was great reading of the play. But, um, yeah, a very well-worked team goal. Well, and that being said, like, that sort of cross, we've seen that undo the raw a couple of times um, the other way so it, it does take one of those miraculous passes but it is good to see someone you know really take that initiative and try and play that sort of pass because when it comes off it just looks so cool doesn't it Scott? Oh it does it was a really well worked team goal and we've seen the Royal score some great team goals this year the one in Perth for Hingott was another really well worked one but you're right it is a when things like that come off for you James it's always it always looks absolutely spectacular yeah and I think the the biggest issue as well, or biggest benefit that that goal brought about was it gave the raw breathing space, which as it turns out they needed thanks to the late goal from Rose. But overall, I just... Yeah, that's something that we haven't seen them do, which is double their advantage. Because what, during their eight-game winless run, they'd scored four goals and had never scored more than one in a match. So I think it does just show how important getting that second second goal is, especially when you're... Um, especially when you're trying to, what's the right way to, what's the right phrase I'm looking for? When you're trying to build off that confidence and double your advantage. 
Yeah, first time they've scored multiple goals in the game since the 5-2 win over Melbourne victory back in January. So it's been a while. No key, doubt about key, that. Key to winning, I guess. But, but yeah, just to, so just on one, one other thing is that um, I, I can't remember if I said it uh, on the show last week or I said privately to you boys, but but I, I sort of had a feeling that first goal was going to win this game. Um, that it, I think it came down to to if the raw score first, they're going to be every chance of you know scoring a second, you know, and start building that confidence because with, with this raw side at the moment, I'm just not I'm just not sold on the fact that they got behind where they had two goals in them to, to win the game. Or, you know, if, if, you know, if MacArthur got a second, I definitely don't think they would have three goals in them, you know, as, as in their current form. So the first goal was always, always going to be important, which underscores, you know, how valuable that strike from um, Dylan Windsor Halls was. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we'll take a quick intermission here and hear from the manager, Warren Moon, after the match. And this is what he had to say in the press conference. I thought it was good. Overall, we uh, defended well, we uh, counter-attacked well, and when we kept the ball, we did quite well at times as well. So uh, for what we were trying to achieve from the game, it worked quite well. The the only downside for us was uh, at 2-0, we could have made it uh, a lot more comfortable than we did and switched off with five to go and and gave ourselves a little bit to do in the last five or so minutes. How important was it to get the monkey off the back and get back into that with us? Well, look, it is important. And uh, obviously, I don't have to feel questions about eight without a win, now nine without a win. I, that, that's now put to bed. But I've said it every week. Our performances are there, and I would have said it tonight had we have dropped points, you know, based on what we did tonight. And uh, we just need to believe in the process and what we're doing and how we keep trying to play and develop it. You know, this side's not done. It's only just been put together, and it's, uh, it's a work in progress. But uh, but for me, that was pleasing tonight to to. Like you said, get the three points, and now we can build on that. What were some of the things you saw tonight that maybe was missing a month ago? Well, again, I don't think too much. You know, I think the performance is there. I think what we did tonight was take chances. You know, the amount of times I've seen Dylan Windsor Halls in the same pockets of the pitch, taking the same strike on goal, and either the keeper saving or missing the target, or or it wasn't quite happening for him, or the same with Joey, or the same with goal goal. You know, it's. um, we're getting into good areas. We're creating chances. And you saw tonight we created more than enough chances to win a game of football. Uh, you know, But I saw those chances last week as well. Uh, and the result wasn't in our favour. But uh, like I said, we'll keep working hard and doing what we're doing and uh, hope to find some consistency of results. All right. And that was Warren Moon after the Raw's 2-1 win. And it, it did almost feel like it was more relief than celebration at the end for this side because... Like we've heard in the press conferences, they know what they know what's coming, they know what they're capable of, and it did feel like this was you know going on quite a long way to get there. Sorry, I've just got the producer just pouring at my leg at the moment as she I, I think she's decided that it's time to go and have a bit of a run around. So, Scott, yes, what, what have you got to say to distract me from Trixie? Well, that was the producer saying lift your game for a start. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I do think that look with the, with. Look, it, it, the result. The results have been there, but the performances have been pretty good at times. But it was getting to the point of the year for the Raw where they had to get had to get a win. They have to, had to turn this run of outs or non-wins into results because ta- we talked about it last week. The table was getting away from them, and there's another massive game this weekend. So this was a this was the ro- this was a necessary turning of the ship to get it back in the right direction. It's a bit like the one that got stuck in the um, canal over in Egypt. <laughs> 
We finally, we finally, finally dislodged. Now it's back in the right direction. Hopefully, we we can only hope. And I suppose the question is as well: it, what we've been talking about over the last few weeks was this the best eleven that the Raw would have been able to put out on the park, Adam? Adam, sorry, I just just cut out, so I missed your question there. That's okay. I was going to say what we saw was this as close to the best 11 as uh, what the Raw have been able to put out in the park. And also, in case you're wondering, we are still recording over Skype, so there may be a few technical snafus as we go along. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so it's, uh, it's quite embarrassing. Um, yeah, look, I think it's it's close to where they need to be. I think, um, obviously, lo- losing Jack Hingott last week probably um, sort of, you know, as far as their best 11, I think uh, he sort of, you know, would all probably feature in that but obviously also having Scott Neville back you know after his loan stint strengthens that team so um, look if, if Jack Hingott was somehow able to get back by the end of the uh, season um, and, ha- and having you know sort of you know, Scott Neville and Simon if they're going to continue playing the three at the back um, yeah I think that really sort of strengthens it I think that you know up front I think it's really interchangeable as far as you know the, the balance of side. You, know, you you can put in a you can put in a champions for a Danzaki or you know obviously the experience of Scott McDonald versus the you know the youth of exuberance of Dylan Winslow Halls and you're probably not losing much either way. So I think the most important uh, sort of stability as far as their best eleven is their is their back defensively. Yeah, I think that that is really how this side has been built. Even going back to last season where it was a case of fixing up a backline that had conceded 71 goals in 27 matches. And look, I do know the A-League is... Okay, I I should check myself there. The A-League isn't necessarily moving away from playing strong uh, defensive football, but it is certainly going to be... It's it's certainly favouring the teams that are strong at both ends of the pitch now, rather than the sides that are able to just take a 1-0 lead and suffocate the uh, game the way that Sydney... Look, let's be honest, that's the way Sydney have won the last few years. And they've been playing really, really good football, but it's mostly been with an intent to try and, I suppose, close off games rather than kill them off. Scott? No, that's a, that's a Sydney special, isn't it? That's exactly what they've been doing. But I think what it, you've got to be good at both now. You've got to be able to be good defensively and for going forward. I do think I see the, the three changes at the raw for the, at the back. Neville, Alder and Gillespie, collectively, they were really, really impressive on the weekend. I thought that... As a group, it really shored things up back there, and there were some really timely interventions from a couple of defenders consistently over the 90 minutes. Which, which if they're not there, perhaps Macarthur do go on and get a goal, get it back to one all, and it's an entirely different game. So I think collectively that back three was also as much as we've praised the attacking players so far on the show. I think we've got to give those three defensively a bit of a bit of credit, and also. I thought that was Josh Brindle South's best game as well on the right-hand side. 100%. That was, that was yep. his best game going forward and doing his job there. So he's growing into that role. And well, Hingott's going to be unavailable for a few weeks or maybe long. We'll have to wait and see how long. Well, he's unavailable. There's a real chance for Josh Brindle South to show what he can do. And that was a really good first sign. Yeah, I... I the, of the one thing, one of the few things I actually agreed with Brenton Speed in his commentary on Friday night was he said that Scott Neville. Um, it seems he he seems to give more reliability to, you know, to to the defence in um, in show with his return. And look, I I absolutely agree with him. I think you know, 
it, it, well, you don't you don't want to sort of you know poop too much on Kaitruan's efforts because um, look, he's he's been great, you know, but for, for especially for a young player, uh, having Scott Neville there really sort of gives a bit more surety, gives him a bit more experience. He also gives that you know that set piece attacking sort of threat as well. So having him back really sort of just you know, strengthens up not only the defence but also the attacking options at the set piece. So yeah, it's, it's sort of. Um, Definitely, that's one big inclusion. But look, I agree about Josh Brindle South as well. That you know he's looking, he looked more and more accustomed to you know being you know a, an A League footballer again. Yeah, and that, and that is absolutely right. And uh, Brindle South and Neville's inclusions have certainly really begun to pay dividends over the last little while. Um, seeing or well, just seeing them in that fixture looking a lot more comfortable. And I do think probably if you if you're grading the Replacement. I do feel like Brindle South is probably going to bring a little bit more to the table when it comes to pushing forward and joining in the attack. As you know, a Warren Moon fullback from Lions uh, is probably going to want to do. But I do. I do feel like defensively, he's still just not quite there in terms of getting to that same level of stability that Hingit offered. And yeah. look, as as you would expect, Hingit's been doing this in a rule for well quite a lot longer than I can remember off the top of my head right now but it is you know something that is going to have to be the case when you're bringing in those changes the one thing that I think even uh, Daniel Leck would agree with is that uh, Brindle South is you know definitely a significant upgrade at right back on Daniel Leck when he had to fill in a few years ago which look I, having seen First, never speak of that again well I, I do just want to say like, I know we'll get onto NPL a little bit later but the fact that Leck got pulled out of that NPL side in 2017, 18 or whatever it was to just go and fill in at right back was... And we're seeing what he's doing at Olympic now. Your respect for him just goes up immensely seeing the progression that he had to make that year as a fill-in. Doesn't it, Adam? It does, but again, I think that was a really, really dumb thing that they did, uh, you know, and probably set back Daniel Leck, you know, a couple of years, you know, a couple of years on his career, so, sure as we've seen. That. Well, uh, maybe you, a slight exaggeration, but yeah, look, it probably adds to his versatility and sort of, you know, mental stuff. But yeah, look, he, he's obviously far and away a much better, you know, attacking player than he is a, you know, a right back, a right, you know, you know, a right wing back, so. That's it. Okay. Got in professional football. I, would, I would imagine he'd be quite happy with the fact he managed to play a few games in the A-League and he might oh, be able to get yeah, back there yeah, given yeah. the way he's, he's going at the moment. Might talk about that later. Yes, we will but, move back to the A-League side because we're, we're all happy. You know, they ended ended an eight-game uh, winless streak and look, it was probably 89 minutes of really good football. They did let up a little bit at the end, but I do think they probably had the comfort of knowing that they did have that margin for error closing things out. Although, that being said, Jamie Young is probably screaming into a pillow going, why couldn't I get that damn clean sheet? However, we do have to talk about the uh, big questions that came out of that match, and there was none bigger, figuratively, I don't think he's actually that tall of a person, but uh, Scott McDonald. And I'll I'll lead off just by going to this uh, post-match press conference quote from Warren Moon that I'm assuming... Quite a few people would have heard it, but uh, this is what he had to say when asked about the absence of Scott McDonald from the lineup. Uh, no, it's, it, it's pretty unclear, to be honest. He was uh, training on Friday. Uh, we thought he would be travelling. Um, unfortunately, he wasn't, so uh, not too much to update on that. We'll have to um, get back to Brisbane and uh, find out what the situation is. But, um, yeah, it was frustrating because as of Friday, he was travelling with the squad. 
that's still injury related though? Uh, again, it's just unclear. Um, we left on Friday. He didn't complete the session and uh, we were on the flight. So it's hard to know what it is right now because we didn't get a time to, uh, to see it, except that we were told he wouldn't be travelling. Right, okay. Um, so unlikely to feature against the Wanderers? Yeah, unlikely, but again, we need to get back to Brisbane and see what the situation is. All right, that was Warren Moon, and I that raised, you know, eyebrows and a whole bunch of other things for me, Scott. He was a late withdrawal from the squad. We all assumed that after returning against the Wanderers on Easter Saturday, he would, you know, eventually be back in the starting 11, if not last week, then probably this week coming, but... What's going on? I was, he's not here. I'm not sure where he is. But look, it is. It was really <laughs> odd, wasn't it? It was really odd. Just the whole thing. I mean, he trained on Friday, but they played on Friday, and he didn't finish training, and he didn't travel. But just, it's odd. I think it needs clarification because I'm confused after listening to it. I've listened to it a few times now, and I get, I seem to get more and more confused each time. It just, I don't understand what it, he trained, but he didn't finish training. And he's not sure if he's available next week. It's just, it's weird. Yeah, I, I feel... I'm not sure what's going on there. It seems like something's not quite right because he, he put, was it half hour he played against um, West Sydney a week and a uh, half ago now, and looked good yeah. in doing so. And he wasn't involved this week, so maybe there is an injury there as a reoccurrence. But it just, it was a very strange answer. I feel like if this was a reoccurrence of the, um, if this was a reoccurrence of the. Uh, hamstring injury Warren Moon didn't really do him any favours there by throwing him under the bus and saying I don't know what it was Adam? Yeah it's it really is a strange one and look it, yeah it, where's where's smoke this fire um, in this regard and I think yeah there's, something's not right here because it's either that or Warren got you know, being sort of you know I'm going to say rookie coach as far as at this level. Maybe he got sort of, you know, ambushed by that question, you know, sort of as far as, you know, where was Scott McDowell? Maybe, maybe sort of he thought he could sort of breeze through and no one would notice, which, you know, let, let's face it, you know, it's Scott McDonald who, you know, for all intents and purposes is pretty much the marquee player at the Raw. So, especially down south, they're not, they're, if he's missing, they're going to ask questions. So, yeah, look, I'd be interested to see, you know, what what does transpire, whether he does make the trip down to Sydney. Because if he doesn't, then I'd start be asking some real hard questions what his status is going forward. Well, that's the thing. It's not as though it was an issue that prevented him from flying because as I saw on uh, Saturday and several other people pointed out, he was able to fly down to uh, Sydney to get uh, to be involved with the Optusport Premier League uh, pregame show. So whatever it was, it was clearly... That's why I lean towards it was probably a reoccurrence of the injury and Moon was just trying not to say that, you know, maybe the old guy's not recovering as quickly as he would like to. But again, that's just that's just where I land on it. I Look, knowing uh, Moon the way that we do, I don't think there's anything nefarious going on there. I, like, I don't think he's the sort of coach that would just blacklist a player for the sake of, you know, asserting his influence over the squad. I kind of, I kind of get the feeling he would be the sort of player that would back his, uh, sort of coach that would back his players uh, to the death. But again, that's we're just working with the same information that's been made public at the moment. I tend to agree with you on that as well. He certainly does appear to be that kind of coach. If he was going to make a statement like that, he would have done it before now. It would have happened well before now. If he was going to do something like that, but with 
the actual answer was still weird because he was asked a week earlier about Tom Aldred and his late withdrawal from the squad after being named and and he said that was an injury and he'll be okay for next week so it's it's a different approach for a different player it's it's a bit odd maybe he was ambushed with the question I don't know but the answer certainly didn't clarify yeah. anything yeah but that being said you can't help but blame people for speculating you know saying that there's nah. the possibility of a falling out because again like using the precedent of uh, when Aldred was let's be honest a surprise withdrawal against the Wanderers um, there was I, I, like I would say there's a very big gap between in the handling of those two situations yeah, the, that, and that's the one thing. So I, but I, I wouldn't have any problems if he did, if it, if it, if say for example that was the simple the simple truth that you know oh he twin he twinged Joe's hamstring in training, figured it's best not to, not to um to travel. I don't know why that that wouldn't be a satisfying answer. Like it's not like you know, it's not like it's you know the the you know, secret secret coding or anything like that. You know, but we we obviously know Scott McDonald's getting on age. It's it's going to happen. So that's that's why it. it Concerns me that you know there is a bit of you know sort of a bit of the answer just was very very you know it it, it raises more questions than answers put it that way. And I and look I can't help but you know wonder about uh, McDonald's exit at Western United as well purely because again you know that's another club that he fell out with what fifteen barely fifteen months ago although let's be honest I don't think anyone will blame him for falling out with Mark Rudan but. Uh, I'm sure plenty of people have done that in the past, but you do also wonder if, you know, maybe there's more to it than we know about. But, like, it, yeah, I, I'm, I don't know. I just still can't quite get a good grasp on this without, you know, wading into just pure throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, I'm not sure he's necessarily fallen out with the raw. I think we need to see what happens this yeah. weekend. If he's, well, I think we'll find out probably Thursday, today, depending on when you're listening to this. We'll find out if he's in the matchday squad. If he's in the matchday squad. It probably was just a genuine injury, but if he's not there, it is going to raise a lot more questions. Uh, I would almost, I'd almost be certain that would be the first question that'll probably be asked by Ed tomorrow at the, um, at the, you know, press conference. You know, they they do, they usually do the day before the game. So, um, so yeah, but I think it's a watcher space one about Scott McDonald and his status. It could, like, again, I'm just purely spitballing here because like, I'm just watching. Uh, what happened with Leicester on the weekend as well, where a couple of players were like given bans from their clash with West Ham because they, you know, breached some sort of COVID protocols. And while I know it isn't anywhere near as bad here as it is over in the UK, I, I do. It could have even just been something as simple as that. It could have been a disciplinary issue, and uh, Moon was trying not to make it public. But again, look, right now, it, it's one of many, many things on a dartboard. And, yeah, we'll see what it uh, turns out to be. But I do want to use this as a segue to get into our NPL chat as well. But we did see 15 minutes from Alex Parsons uh, in this as well. And, Scott, I know we've got to get to your 3 two, ones as well. So, actually, why don't we do that now? What are your 3 two, ones from this game? Because then we will segue into the NPL. Yeah, all right. So my 3 two, ones for this game, I'll go in reverse order. I got one vote for Tom Alder. I thought there was a two or three really crucial interceptions there from Tom in the first half in particular, and along with early in the second half, where MacArthur could have got a foothold back into the game, and there were some really crucial interceptions there which allowed the Raw to keep their lead. Two points for Riku Danzaki, not just for the goal, but I thought his all-round play was really, really impressive. And it's, it's a shame the Raw won't be able to keep him next year, given it's a loan, but what a wonderful player, and what a... 
what a great advertisement it is for the A-League to be able to produce, to help a player like that to get to, because he will get to the J-League next year, and this is a great advertisement for that, and maybe there's a link there, James, that between Raw and Considol Sapporo, where they might be able to send more good young players out here to develop, and it could benefit both clubs going forward, but two for Riku and three for Wenzel Halls, I thought he was the best player on the park, we talked about it earlier, his energy runs in behind, his chances he created, I thought he was best player on the park. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Alex Parsons, We've got a couple of uh, segments here we're going to be full of praise for the young Raw attacker. And Adam, I'll give you first crack at uh, just how good he's been. Uh, his weekend has been. Well, yeah, look, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of go backwards in chronological order as far as going from Sunday. That, you know, I did, that Scott and I did talk about this uh, extensively on the MPL Sunday night show. And at, for mine, Alex Parsons at the MPL level, he's almost at that level at the moment. He's riding in that much form and confidence that he's a game changer at MPL level so that, that, that just shows you know, 8 goals in 5 games now shows you know what vein of form he is in um, at, at the MPL level we want to Friday night and getting 15 minutes so I think that may be sort of the catalyst of what is giving him confidence that the fact that he gets to run around 15, for 15 minutes in, in the A-League and you know let's just hope that maybe with that confidence that you know Warren Moon might see a little bit more as far as you know giving him bigger opportunities yeah absolutely and just the confidence that he's uh, got to be brimming with at the moment it, I think yeah in the NPL he's scored 8 goals uh, so far on the season which has given him the lead in the golden boot but he certainly doesn't look uncomfortable or like he's feeling the pressure of stepping up into the A-League side when the ball gets to his feet, Scott. Uh, absolutely, and the timing was great to bring him on as well because at the NPL level, there's a lot of space for him in behind and he exploits that really well. And, and MacArthur was starting to really push forward in this game, so there was going to be more space for him and I thought the timing was really good to get him involved. And 15 minutes, I think he did quite well and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a fair bit more from him in the A-League squad between now and the end of the season, but his NPL form is spectacular, and his performance against Gold Coast was... It just showed you that despite the fact he was in the A-League on Friday, there was no no drop in standards. There was no, oh, what am I doing back here in this NPL? No, it was... He wanted to be there. He worked really hard for his team for 55 minutes, scored a great goal, and you could see in his celebration what it meant to him, the fact that he was... I think I think that team enjoys playing together. I think he enjoys being part of that team. You could see that, and unfortunately, they did drop away a bit when the um, when he went off. But he's a, he's one heck of a player, and the Roar are onto something there with him because eight, eight goals in five games, no bad player does that, particularly a midfielder. It's as simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. And we will uh, shift on to our NPL discussion where so we had a was it it wasn't quite a full weekend because some pitches are still recovering from the deluge of uh, wet weather we've had here over the last couple of weeks. But the game that we all got to see, and I, I strongly suggest you go and check out, at the very least, the highlights on NPL TV, uh, the Raw Gold Coast Knights. You guys covered this on the NPL Sunday show, but it was such a gripping, entertaining game that I do want to bring it up here again and just say, yeah, like the, we've wondered all along just where the Raw are going to stand in terms of competing for finals football this year. And if they can keep this squad together, they are absolutely going to be in the mix, if not already have a finals berth uh, locked up. And it is going to be... I, I you know, posted this on Twitter when the highlights uh, went up. I think the only thing that is going to stop Parsons from uh, challenging for the NPL Golden Boot could be a few more A-League call-ups, Adam. 
Yeah, and I think that's probably the one thing that, you know, that may sort of, you know, not only um, hold his charge of the golden boot, but also, you know, maybe sort of, you know, set back the Raw a little bit, is because, like I said, he, he is a, in game-changing form at the moment. Like, he is such an influence on the on the game. Um, that he, every time that, you know, Brisbane... Brisbane Raw Academy steps out in MPL. He is, he is, you know, all his fingerprints are all over it. So, you know, you, ne- you never um, sort of wish a mill, you know, and because obviously, yeah, you know, he wants, to, he obviously wants to be a professional player, and then, you know, the call up to the A League side will be, you know, reward for that effort. But, um, yeah, the, he, he is, you know, just yeah, in a rich form performance moment. Yeah, absolutely, and. Um yeah, like, and that's the thing. It is. It's not like it's a one-man team either. Like, you've got some very strong players uh, front to back. Obviously, being able to call on uh, Macklin Freak uh, to play goalkeeper as well. Um, you know, you had, uh, Hart Phillips and Courtney Perkins uh, marshalling the defence quite well. And yeah, Courtney Perkins. Like, he actually wound up playing left fullback for the Raw uh, in that game as well, which was a little bit of a surprise to me. I thought they'd uh, push Ramazani out on the left. Uh, out on the left and yeah it just it's coming together quite well obviously Brandon McMorrow I'm still not quite sure exactly what the strongest area of his play is but he's he's still getting the job done like he's doing what needs to be done as my wife just calls me of course just interrupting things well done um yeah it, it's it's that time of day um <laughs> yeah it's great because <laughs> my wife's um, already tried to ring me yeah, so what I what I would say, yeah, is it's not like it's just a one man team either, because yeah, they've got really good players front to back, and you know, you look at some of the former Raw youth players who have moved on to other NPL uh, NPL sides, like Kite Paldo, we saw for Gold Coast Knights on uh, Sunday, and you just realise this is like we're starting to see the real dividends from the Raw Academy. I think I see Kite Paldo playing on the right hand side might be why Jordan Courtney Perkins played at left back just as a, mm. a physical versus physical matchup and and nullifying that but this it is a team at the Brisbane Royal Academy this, and that's what we haven't seen for it's a really strong collective team there's always been two or three standout individuals but now it's now it's just six seven eight there you look at and think they've all taken massive steps forward and they've yep. got massive growth left in them and it is a team and Chris Crossman was actually really disappointed in the fact they weren't able to get the results on on Sunday night and that that's a reflection on in years past there was a 2-1 loss to Gold Coast Knights would be almost not celebrated but taken as a good result in the circumstances now it's like that's not enough and that's just that's the raise in standard expectation that they've got there this year and I think that's a really good sign of what they can actually do because it is I think this is the best raw NPL team that we've seen and I'd love to have seen them go in there in the Y League this year if it was happening because I think they would have absolutely slapped a few teams around because the the, the nature of the fact that the team that they are and it's been growing under Chris Cross for the last 12 months it's a really strong collective team James you mentioned a few of the individuals but collectively yeah. they're a damn solid team I, I know I, I, um, I I've, I've said it sort of through last season where a bit of uh, there was a bit of a dip in form in the team last year after I thought they were travelling very well and I think the, the I think the difference between this Raw Academy squad this year and and sort of you know and last year as well compared to previous incarnations is that we always in the past looked at seeing okay who's going to come down from the A League down into the Academy side 
And in the past, it's like, well, if you're playing like a, like individuals almost, and and you're and you're basically playing for an audition for the academy, you're not going to get the results. But we've actually seen it last season where you had players come down from the from the A-League side, players like Isaac Powell and and whatnot, come to and actually disrupted that squad. It actually and their performance has suffered because of that. So I'm just as much as you know those players in the A-League at the moment, A-League squad are not getting much game time. As far as the, this Raw Academy side, it could actually be a hindrance more than a help, them actually coming down and getting minutes, because this is a very, very solid unit. And I think it, it's it's great to watch, and I think um, all yeah, of a sudden... Yeah, absolutely, and now would also be a good time before we segue into uh, the Matildas and News recap uh, to remind you that if you are a fan of the Raw's uh, youth academies and whatnot, you can follow them on NPL TV and uh, any select games that uh, you guys are going to be covering on our social accounts as well. Scott, final thoughts? I'll, I'll say, I'd also encourage the Raw fans to get out and actually see yeah. this team play in person because they're, they are a joy to watch and they don't they don't have a home ground per se, so they do travel all the way around the southeast. So when they are in your part of town, I do encourage you to go out and have a look and because that- there's some serious talent here and they're... And they're the most competitive they've ever been, so it's certainly well worth the effort. And they and they are the future as well, because if we know anything about, as long as Warren Moon is there, these these kids, if they go for, if they perform, they're going to get opportunities. So you might be able to at least see a couple of these players, you know, yeah. in there. And on that as well, I honestly kind of feel like developing their game um, before they could do. Yeah, we're going to be seeing. Players. Yeah, quite a few of these players that are on the verge of stepping up as well, and obviously, I, one player I did forget before was Hashan Ramazani, who's. Yeah, just I think he's going to be. I don't know where his best position in defence is going to be, and that is probably a good thing because he is equally adept at fullback and also centre back. So that's another player certainly to try and keep an eye on um, if you're looking for the future of the Brisbane Roar. Now, that was the good part of the weekend. We have to go on to what has been an undeniably frustrating uh, part, and I do want to preface this with the caveat of. There is only so much you can take away from international friendlies, but the Matildas returned to action, and oh boy, that really wasn't worth the wait, was it? A combined uh, margin of defeat at uh, 10-2 in favour of Germany and the Netherlands. It was 5-2 to Germany on the weekend, followed by a 5-0 defeat to the Netherlands this morning. And Adam, was it as bad as it uh, looked on the score sheet? Yes. It's simply yes. And it's, it's rant time. Because, I, I, like I said, we've got on the run sheet. It's what this, this point I'm about to make. It's in the back end. But I'm going to bring it to the fore now. And that it is a reality check. It is an absolute reality check. That, and look, I don't buy this, this garbage about, oh, they haven't played in over a year. The international, it, like international, you know, call-ups unless they're all playing at a club, they're not going to be... They're all not going to be playing together. So, I don't know what this whole thing... Oh, they haven't played in 400 days or whatever. Well, what difference does that make? They were outplayed by much better teams. And, look, there and there's a fundamental issue, I think, that, you know, of a case of... Maybe this side is not as good as we think it is. Because they were really, really put to the sword... Um, by, by now, look, I'll, I'll give Germany and Netherlands all the credit in the world. Two world-class teams. But if the, if the 
if the Matildas have any aspirations whatsoever of doing anything at the Olympics, doing anything at our home World Cup, like I said, 5-0 against these sides is not acceptable in either a friendly or a proper tournament. And I think people are kidding themselves. They think that, you know, oh, it's okay. Oh, we shouldn't, shouldn't cut C slack on them. Garbage. Absolute garbage. You know what? If, if we're going to accept, if we accept the fact that, oh, you know what? That's okay. Let, you know, they'll try their best next time. Well, you know what? Forget. Forget the World Cup. Just forget it. You know, and, and, and I'll tell you what. Football Australia and everyone else has put the legacy and they're all in on the World Cup. Well, performances like that are not going to give people much hope and what's worth not attracting mainstream media into that. Because I didn't actually hear anything. That's how, that's how bad this performance was. Is that, you know, mainstream media didn't, I don't even think, picked up on the result overnight. That's how bad oh, they it was. Did. They did pick up they on did? it. I saw it on the news this morning. It did. That's where I first saw it this morning on the news. So, it's a wake-up call. These results yeah. are a wake-up call. And I get your point, but I don't fully agree with it, Adam. I think 400 days, I'll give them... I would give them that excuse in the first game against Germany mm. if things got better in the second game. And from what I've seen no. and heard, it doesn't sound like it got better in the second game. So that's the real concern for me. But I know there were some players unavailable, but you're going to have to deal with that throughout a big tournament. So you're going to be missing a player at some point. So you've got to be able to cover that. And maybe they didn't quite have the cover there to do it. But the thing that concerns me the most, James, is their record now against European teams. It's they have won one of their last 10 games against European opposition and you've got to go right back to February of 2018 to find a win. And that was 4-3 over Norway. Since then they drew with Portugal, lost to Portugal, lost to France, drew with England, lost to the Netherlands, lost to Italy, drew with Norway and lost on penalties and then these two games now. So the record against European teams, that's a real concern. That's not a blip, that's a trend. And I know Europe is getting stronger and stronger, and maybe the Matildas haven't quite come to terms with playing the European style of teams yet. So I think playing these games was probably a good idea. It's just backfired a bit because of the fact that the results have been so one-sided, and now it's put a bit of pressure on Gustafsson going into the Olympics, but it's a massive wake-up call. For what Adam's, Adam's point about the World Cup is a good one, because the expectations, rightly or wrongly, will be high for them. People need to remember that the Matildas, as much as we love them and how great they are, they haven't got past the quarterfinal. So we do need to keep our yeah, expectations it, it somewhat measured, and maybe this is a bit of a, a wake-up call of where they're at right now. What? What? Sorry. Uh, sorry. Yeah. So I was going to say, what? What? The one thing why I'm, I'm, and people are probably going to wonder that. Listen, why am I so fired up about this? And the reason why is because. I want you to th- well, I know, and I know you guys, you guys agree with me on this, but you they imagine did. Actually, if that this cost Holgerossi his job, and they, they put two performances like this back to back. Yeah, but they also. Yeah, I was going to. I was going to say. They wouldn't have sacked him if they didn't get belted six 0 so, by was it Brazil and then France yeah. or. Brazil and France, so two two like like sort of ranked teams at the time, like like ranked at this comparison to what Germany and Netherlands are in the women's game at the moment. And yeah, like I said, and I, I remember that time, you know, back in 2013. Maybe maybe a lot of people that are reacting still say, "Oh, don't worry about it," you know, and whatnot. Maybe they weren't around back then, but it was it was a massacre. It was a massacre, like both on social media and that, which basically ultimately cost Holger Ostick his job. And you know, I'm not. I'm certainly not saying right now 
that Tony Gustafsson's job well, is well, you know, under any threat because I'm sure for the pay packet he's been in the job yeah he's been in the job for seven months that was the first time he's if you're really been able now, to get that squad I together crazy I do think but he's to, on notice look you have to call out the performances you know largely yeah. rubbish and the result is definitely not good enough but it does have to come with the you know asterisk of well let's be honest it hasn't been the ideal preparation for this side as they've been building themselves up to this uh, contest and I do, I do think as well. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, don't think they need to sack Gustafsson. However, you know, w- were the Matildas to, you know, absolutely get routed at the Olympics, then I'll uh, start to listen to those arguments. Scott, you go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Can I just say, as, as one of the chief leaders of the whole Grout campaign, can I just point out that wasn't just because he got thumped six 0 by Brazil and France, Adam. That was. Mm. Yeah. That was a culmination of two years of crap, turgid football, oh, yeah. where, the, where he refused to acknowledge the fact that a team needed some new, new fresh blood. He kept going with the same old players and then bringing one young player in, having that player not deliver, and then that, he was scapegoated, another young, and then another veteran comes back to replace him. That's what led to the frustration of Holger Rostek. It wasn't just two results. So the comparison between him and Gustafsson, I don't think it's fair and at that's, all. And that's it's, why one, it, it's one yep. camp in two games. You've got, we'll give him... You've got to give the guy a lot longer than that, but it's a, in terms of a start for him, it's a, it's a, it couldn't have been much worse for him. Yeah, but like I said, I'll just like I said to, just to to, to formalise that point. I, I'm not, I'm certainly not like I said. I, I am certainly you know well worth saying that you know there were other issues with Holger Rossick at the time. And look, I actually think it was the right decision. To at the end of the day, that, those two results were the um, final you know nails in the coffin. The problem I have in trying to re- reference it to, to these two losses for the Matildas is that this is a side that we we all hope. You, know, you, you, take, you take sort of the other thinking caps off and you know with emotion. We all hope that the, that these ladies can be world champions. You know, and and the, and the, and the expectation going into 2023 is going to be that you know you hope that they can somehow get a favourable draw, you know, play some big games in front of their home team, and maybe if not win it, but you know, go very very close to, to winning it. But performances like this really, really sort of knock the stuffing out, and that's sort of why you know there's so much passion in that in this sort of rant is because you know if we think that right now, you know, these performances are acceptable yeah, and exactly, oh, and it's a nice reminder that. of you know well, we've you're, you're, you're had so denial. many good that's, moments. I said these are the wake up calls. Tournament of Nations uh, a couple of years ago uh, in Australia, you know, that was really, really good. And we do know what they're certainly capable of. I, But it does seem like they looked like a side that was still very much learning what the expectations were with the new boss. And I'll give them... I, I, I do think it's, you know, unexce- like that, that scoreline is unacceptable and whatnot, even though it did come against a pair of very, very good teams. However... I do think you need to, you know, bring it with the caveat of, you know, we could we could be talking about this in 12 months and having them go, well, clearly that was just a really, really bad spot for them coming off a major pandemic. And in that same regard as well, the um, Socceroos accounts today on socials were just going, you know, it's 50 days until they're back in action again. And look, to, to be completely honest, you know, as a comparison of national teams, would you be at all surprised if the Socceroos come out, played their first game in a year and a half to you know plus and maybe look a little bit less than a little bit below standard compared to what we're used to seeing that's kind of where i would land on it anyway i 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Look, see, I, I have a hard time, and look, I'm not, I'm by no means a professional footballer, so maybe I'm, maybe I'm overstating it. But this whole sort of thing about, you know, oh, that you know they haven't, they haven't played national for the national team for 400 days, therefore, before, therefore that you give them some excuse. These players don't forget to play football. Like you take the Matildas and all that. You got the likes of Sam Kerr, Caitlin Ford, Hayley Rasso. Yeah, you know, they're all playing at the top. But level that being said, England. okay, and so we do have to move on. But I just want to leave it on this. We also don't know exactly what Augustusson has been changing because we know. Look, and I'm not saying he is, but yeah. we know some coaches have the preference of saying, "No, we're going to play football my way. It's going to be this system, this style, this approach." And it could very well just come down to the fact that they're learning how to function uh, under a new coach because there might have been an instance where. You know, Hayley Razzo's natural natural in- instinct, especially after playing at Everton, is to make, you know, a run towards the D at the top of the 18-yard box, whereas Gustus... Yeah. So why is she playing right back? I'll never know. He will have learned yeah. a lot in this, James. No doubt he will have yeah. learned an absolute yeah. heck of a lot about the players at his disposal and what needs to go happen going forward. This would have been an eye-opener for Tony Gustafson, no doubt, and this is why he's paid the big bucks. Now he's got to go away and come up with some solutions to it. Because there's a big tournament coming up in the not-too-distant future, which the draw is for next week in the Olympics. So I will, I will say one positive just quickly. Well, actually, there's a couple of positives I know we want to get to as well. But just one positive on the performance themselves, that it's really going to put the test now um, on whether Gustafsson and, and the, the selection team and whatnot where they were going to go this whole you must play overseas to be even in consideration or whether he's going to start looking at W League players. I think this is really going to bring that into sharp focus now because if, if the results were were, overtur- were different and you know the, so- uh, the Matils actually won games, I think that would have been it. You had to play overseas yeah. or else. I know, I know. But so it, I think that's where you can bring in sharp focus. But, um, point of, but yeah, this is a whole new area of analysis yeah. for us as well, just having to cover these sorts of... Uh, teams that, look, don't play together a whole lot as it is, and then coming off a massive gap, and you know, you do forget those combinations as well, I'm sure if, you know, I took a year off doing this podcast and then came back, I would be sitting there for the first couple of episodes going, what the hell am I supposed to do now? But, any, Well, that's true. I could I could be working with a couple of professionals, you never know. That depends <laughs> on you doing that year. <laughs> <laughs> How dare oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, exa- okay. that's exactly my um, point. Yeah, yeah but I said he'd come back quick, to this. The and biggest A League like, story well, that's come out in. Doing, so. <laughs> so, can we talk about one thing with Matilda? We've got yeah. to talk about the fact that India Page Riley made her debut. Another young player from the Raw progressed through. And the actual started for the Raw QAS, won the grand final, and then made it through to the Raw overseas now in the Matilda. So, congratulations to India and also. Alexandra Hyun, who played a year for South United in the NPL Women's and is now playing overseas after playing for the Wanderers. Both made their debuts at the weekend. So we talked earlier about the pathways and getting out and seeing the local football. You might see the next star of the future. And for people who did go out in the NPL in 2018 and watched that championship-winning Raw QAS side, James, they saw a Matilda on the field. They might not have known it then, but... Or Adam actually said it, so I'll give him credit, but... You never know what you yeah, might see, definitely. and it was, it's great okay, to see those now, two young players. I am very conscious of the clock, so we're probably going to have to blow by the story about the Central Coast possibly being sold to Manchester United. But I do just want to say, yeah. I do, I do just. 
I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be Manly story. United and Adam Peacock just, would be just, their first just signing. Just call them Sydney United. Oh wait. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now let's get to the important stuff. Friday night, Wanderers <laughs> Raw at Bankway Stadium. It's not going to happen. As we got reminded honest, by the Raw's uh, media team today, uh, last time they played at Bankway Stadium, it was a two-one win thanks to goals from Scott Neville and Brad Inman. The Raw have won their last uh, well. Two of their last three against the uh, Wanderers, if my recollection serves. They were also involved in possibly the worst game of the 2019-20 season at Bankwest Stadium in that 0-0 draw uh, in October 2019. So the less said about that, the better. Obviously, we're coming off into this game a fortnight after the 1-1 draw at Morton Daly Stadium. Adam, is there anything you would change from Friday night against MacArthur? Look, no, I probably wouldn't. Um, pending pending availability and whatnot, because um, we don't seem to know. <laughs> it seems like players dropping out on you know game eve. But uh, all being well, look, I would I would pretty much go with that eleven that that did battle um, at Campbelltown last Friday night and and go from there. It'll be a very different game because obviously Western Sydney will play with a different style. Um, yeah, Scott. But but yeah, look, I I think you know it's a winning formula. Until such time, why change it? Same. I mean, there's no reason to change it. The back line was really solid. The midfield was quite good. And I think early, I think it was Adam who said that the front third is kind of interchangeable, but that front third was really impressive. I don't see why you would change it. So I don't see who would come into it. I mean, they're not going to start Alex Barton. It's too soon for that sort of thing. And the Kudo and Mabratu and McDonald, I'm not sure they're going to be in line for a start either. So to me, I think unchanged lineup makes absolute sense. And they kind of found something on Friday against MacArthur. Yeah, and that's, a, why, that's why the attitude that I feel like they should have. And say, that's, we've been waiting for something to click to and give it. us you know, the opportunity to win a match. The side that took to the pitch on uh, Friday against MacArthur did just that. So surely you want to reward them and say, if you do what we want you to do, you'll be the ones that uh, come on to the pitch. Uh, it's also a huge game. I, I feel like it's the time where we have to start talking about the race for the finals, even though the Raw still have another 12-ish matches to play before the end of the season. But the uh, Wanderers are five points ahead of the Raw, having played three extra games. So if you can win this, it gives you a huge leg up when it comes to that race for the top six, Adam. It does, and uh, I said there there is a bit of a you know, margin of error. You know that you know losing losing this match uh, on on Friday night, you know, wouldn't be the sort of you know the end of their finals chances. But you know, you'd rather have that um, that buffer later in the season, especially when the fixtures start piling up, as as I'm sure they will. You know, once you get to the back end of the season. So, yeah. but and, um, and yeah, a win definitely it puts them right back in the race as far as um, as top six goes. I'm kind of the opposite on that, actually. I think if they do lose this game, it could be the one we look back on in two months' time and say that's where the Raw missed out because they put them eight points behind the Wanderers. Yes, three games in hand, but that puts huge pressure yeah, on you. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, um, you'd always rather the points normally in the back. I end this, this off with this is one mu- question. This is must not lose. In the interest of having a little bit of fun with this, I'm going to go with two. So, Scott, is Scott McDonald involved in this match as a player for the Raw? Adam? Mm-hmm. 
I, I, I would if we. He'd be on the bench. And and uh, I would like uh, Scott McDonald. If we can get an interview. He's, if we can get an interview, he's still not here. I can't to, find uh, him. Find, I, yeah, I would so love to if ask. Anyone him. knows how to get in touch with Scott? <laughs> uh, look, I, I, that's the thing is, I, I just don't know. But uh, look, I, but all seriousness, I hope. Um, look, I hope he is at least on the bench. And he's featured because he is an important part of the site. But I feel like after we look, spent ten minutes talking about that, and whatnot, and all uh, those, about half an hour no, ago, talk now, from the um, yeah, that, that press conference, arm in arm, McDonald's going to score a hat trick or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. They're going to troll us. He's going to start the game up yep. for this podcast. Adam, what are you it's going to be talking in. about this time? It'll be a good week? troll. Put it that way. Uh, I'm going to say uh, high uh, scoring uh, high scoring draw and a missed opportunity for Raw to make round on the top six. These two Joys are so close closures. than they played last week. There's only two weeks since they played. It's bizarre, yeah. isn't it? It's one of the really real anomalies with the draw. I, yeah, yeah. I think that the Raw took momentum in the second half against them, but I think it'll be a draw as well. And I think it's actually it's a good draw for the Raw because I'm it keeps them in the in the in control of the finals hunt. Then really, it almost five feels like a two points like Raw score two, but five can't points is manageable. Eight points is a bit too far. So draw, I think it'd be a good draw. And we'll be sitting it. there, sitting here next week. Wondering, was it a good point or a bad two points dropped? Okay, now, that is going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Adam. That's all right. <laughs> good to talk to you again, James and Adam. Yeah, so you've had a bit of pent-up yeah, rage. All right. My ranting. Thank yeah, you, everyone, for listening. That's going to be it for you? this edition. <laughs> yeah, um, get out and enjoy the football this weekend. There's NPL, FFA yes. Cup and a whole lot more action going on. Um, yeah, support the Raw this Friday night as well, if you can. And, yeah, we'll be back next weekend to recap it all on the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you then.